Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. 10.17 here on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans through till 11 o'clock. Thanks for your texts, and uh, we'll call for some more texts in a minute. Please engage. Uh, Dudley's written probably on, on climate change and the temperatures around the world and the extremes that we're seeing. He says, probably worth mentioning that lower global temperatures are more likely to generate long-term droughts due to locking up water in ice and snow. Mm. That's quite correct, yeah. If we if we look at historical periods where it's been extremely cold, uh, such as the mini ice ages, a whole bunch of water does get locked up in ice and snow, and there are other parts of the, the planet which uh, are not covered by ice, which experience extreme drought and also heat in the, in the current. I think we mentioned this before on the show previously, but the current uh, heat waves and drought that we're experiencing here in Australia has been... Um, linked to what they call the uh, Indian Ocean Dipole, uh, which is uh, something that uh, arises from the presence of warm waters off the coast of Africa and cold waters uh, just to the northwest of Australia. And those two extremes create the the dipole. And, uh, of course, when you don't have warm water lifting moisture up into the atmosphere, you don't get the rain. And, uh, and with our sort of uh, Western Ocean there, the Indian Ocean being unusually cool at the moment, that's why we're mm. experiencing drought here in Australia. Another text too, and uh, you've texted a few times here, and uh, you've, you've ended up saying in, in capital letters, you said, in plain English, entropy is on the rise. And uh, I see from your other texts this morning, you're talking about the, the collapse of and the lemming-like nature of humanity at this time. Uh, I guess we'd suggest something a little different about the observation of entropy, That because clearly many things, as we're saying, are breaking down. Things are falling apart. Structures are collapsing. That is true. It is true, uh, but it's balanced out by the opposite happening in, in different parts of society. And uh, and this is a, you know, it's a typical pattern when we go through yeah. a, a, a significant change like this is the old stuff's got to fall apart. It's, it's uh, as I often say, it's like a kid's Lego block toy. You know, you can't flick your fingers and transform a ship into an aeroplane. You've got to pull a ship apart and mm. rebuild it with the, with the building blocks. Or to get a little bit vegetal about it, I like to think that the, the old is like compost as it's slowly decaying and collapsing and becomes uh, literally compost for the future. Yeah, exactly. And it just depends what you choose to focus on. And at this time in history, because of the, the mainstream media, really, a lot of people are focusing on the decomposing matter rather than noticing the new sprouts that are coming through. And, uh, you know, I stopped watching television in 2003. as one of the best things I ever did. I'd recommend it to uh, all you out there listening. Just don't look at mainstream media, um, you know, as your primary source of news. I mean, I still do. As a futurist, I have to keep tabs on what's going on and what the media are reporting. So uh, I I have a a very um, 
strict regime of having a brief look at the headlines every day just to see you know what people are talking about and what themes are emerging and and perhaps what manipulation is, is being yes. uh, played well, out having been in the military you used to uh, you you have a, a phrase uh, an acronym called msu and you i guess you've got a fairly good uh, radar for uh, for that what's msu stand M- for msu is making stuff up <laughs> or uh, making shit up yeah yeah whatever you, you want to call it um yeah uh and you know the i i did for one uh, one year of my uh time in the military i was a an intelligence officer in an infantry battalion so it was my job to gather all the information that was brought in you know, you know by our troops and uh, put it all together and try and discern, you know, what was actually going on out there. So I do have a, a bit of a background in that kind of and thing. And if you couldn't make sense of it, then you just make it, make, you make something up, or you just create, well, create a particle or a part of an equation that solves the equation, <laughs> like I, a phonon. I never did that. <laughs> no, of course not. I, I never did that, and I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it, but it's, uh, certainly a lot of people do do it. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's all it takes is one person making stuff up and putting it on mm. your social media these days, and it's viral. It's gone everywhere, particularly if it... Uh, if it's interesting hmm. so um, what are we talking about going forward oh yes what, yeah, what, that's what, right what, are we, what, are we, what can we see going forward of course forward? Yeah. Uh, all right <laughs> things to look for I think one, I think one of the next big things for humanity in, and uh, there are many different facets to this is magnetism mm. and I can see this as a, a very very important emerging uh, discipline and area of interest and it works on multiple levels, as all good things do. And one of the levels that magnetism will become more important uh, in is our understanding of space, weather, and terrestrial climate. And uh, I, I dug up an old NASA article here, which uh, was older than I than I remembered. It actually goes back to 2008. It's uh, it's on science.nasa.gov, and it's talking about magnetic portals that connect the Earth to the Sun. And uh, it's this article, let me just read a couple of lines from it. Mm. Tons of high-energy particles may flow through the opening before it closes again. And uh, they're saying that these portals open and close once every eight minutes or so. So they're only open for a short period of time. But when they are open, uh, as I just said, tons of high-energy particles stream from the sun through to the Earth mm. and, and into the Earth's atmosphere. At the pulse of the, the time it takes for the light for light to reach us from the sun, I think it's eight minutes, interestingly. Yeah, okay, you're yeah. right, yeah. And uh, going back to the article I'm quoting here, uh, f- space physicist David Sebeck of the Goddard Space Flight Center, it's called a flux transfer event, or FTE. Ten years ago, I was pretty sure they didn't exist, but now the evidence is incontrovertible. There's a bit of uh, critical thinking and scientific method being applied there. Uh, and uh, this is, again, this is from 2008, uh, and it says, Today, Sebeck is telling an International Assembly of Space Physicists at the 2008 Plasma Workshop in Huntsville, Alabama, that FTEs are not just common, but possibly twice as common as anyone had ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And as with all new discoveries, uh, you know, they take a, a, a bit of time to land. I mean, an extreme example is quantum mechanics, which first emerged over 100 years ago and still hasn't actually landed in mainstream science. Uh, and uh, and here's something that NASA have discovered and uh, documented, researched and documented, uh, which is these magnetic portals that open up in this massive influx of uh, high energy particles. 
which go from the sun to the earth and uh, in other material that I've discovered this year, um, including a wonderful video which we published and mentioned on the show a couple of times called Climate Forcing. Yeah. Uh, these magnetic uh, portals and the high-energy particles are having an impact on terrestrial climate, but magnetism is not something that's included, as far as I know, in any of the conventional cl- uh, computer-based climate models mm. which are being used for those predictions IPCC which don't and so to come on. true. Mm. Yeah, so uh, this is a, this is a um, a topic to watch, and the weather aspect of it uh, is just one area. Uh, the the other really really big picture uh, aspect of the space weather thing, of course, is the knowledge that our solar system is either approaching or already starting to uh, transit through a an area between what's called the local cloud, which we've been, our solar system's been flying through for as long as we know, uh, and the area, the local cloud uh, ends and another piece of space begins, which is called the G cloud, and and it looks like there may even be a, a null area in between those two clouds, which would be an area of low magnetic energy. Um, and as we transit out of the local cloud through this null area into the G cloud, uh, who knows what might happen in terms of the impact on our uh, solar system and the terrestrial climate. And that's that's something that's largely unknown, but only just on the radar. And again, you know, it'll take a long time to land in mainstream. Uh, just quickly on the G cloud, because I, I wasn't familiar with that myself, just this is simply from Wikipedia, so, you know, but uh, it says the G cloud or G cloud complex is an interstellar cloud located next to the local interstellar cloud. It is unknown whether the solar system is embedded in the local interstellar cloud or in the region where the two clouds are interacting as yeah you're that's there. right although the solar system is currently moving towards the g cloud so yeah yeah and this is uh information from nasa's interstellar boundary explorer mission ibex and uh most of you will have heard of voyager one and voyager two those probes that were sent out years ago and uh, voyager one which is uh in, was launched launched after voyager two but is actually in front now has in the last uh, year or two pierced the bow wave of our solar system so as the sun and our um, solar system is sort of plunging through space it's kind of like a ship pushing through the ocean it has a bow wave an energetic bow wave uh, which which is uh, particularly caused by the solar wind that the sun puts out and uh, voyager one has just punched through that bow wave into interstellar space and the pattern of uh, cosmic wind that they've discovered there isn't what they expected, which yeah. may suggest that we have actually started to transition out of the local cloud. Into the G cloud. Yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, I think in the next decade or two, that's probably going to become quite big news. Mm. And if you ma- imagine, of course, those, many of you may have seen the photos or the, uh, the videographic representations of the sun and the solar system moving through space. Uh, absolutely beautiful, the, the incredible orbits of the planet and the, the spiral nature of the whole thing. And as soon as you see that you see the complexity of the of of the nature of it and the many many forces as you're saying particularly we're talking about magnetism here but all those forces gravitational magnetic magnetic electrical that exist and and cosmic rays and so forth that exist uh, in and through and with us all the time and and this is a, a profound complexity that we've really only become aware of in very recent times actually and this is going to open up more and more and i think it's going to change the equation of how we uh, look at some of the the bigger problems including climate on the planet on the planet the climate the climate emergency if you will yeah and uh, other aspects of magnetism that we ought to 
look for. Uh, I think particularly in 2020, it's quite possible we hear a lot more about magnetic energy generators. So, uh, in other words, machines that run on magnets which generate electricity. And these are already out there. Uh, in fact, there's a, a company here in Australia called Graph Energy, which is based nearby on the Gold Coast, which have been advertising a magnetic uh, electric uh, generator. Okay. And uh, I'm looking at their website now. Um, they're advertising two machines, a 10 kilowatt machine and a 1000 kilowatt machine. And uh, the the way that they work is they you need to plug them into a PowerPoint, an electrical PowerPoint to kick them off, to kick start them. But once the machine is running, you can disconnect it from the electricity and it will run. Uh, and um, they are, for their 10 kilowatt model, they're advertising on their website here a 20-year lifespan, 24-7. It says the, the unit will work 24-7 for a 20-year lifespan. Now, uh, I, I guess that's their best guess because they wouldn't have had 20 years to test that. No. Uh, however, um, this is not. I know this is not the only company in the world that has developed magnetic generators. Uh, I, I know of uh, at least one company in the US, and there are probably more around the world. Uh, the, the company I'm thinking of, the US, uh, hasn't gone public with it yet. Um, but uh, this, I think, will be a, a key aspect of energy generation in the future using magnetism. And my understanding is the way that these machines work is they have a, a, a drum, like a, a circular drum on a, an axis or an axle, and magnets arranged on the drum. And once the drum is in motion, the... The, I guess the um, the polarization between the magnets keeps it going. constantly just keeps mm. it pushing uh, and uh, generating electricity in the process. Sort of perpetual motion, almost. Or yeah. suggesting that moving towards that. Yeah, so that's uh, mm. that's something to look for. And then the other realm of magnetism that we ought to look out for um, is uh, I'm prompted to talk about this from some recent channelings from Cryon. And for those of you that may not have uh, heard us mention Cryon before. Cryon is uh, an out there information source that we pay attention to <laughs> and uh, because we, we do our best to take a transrational perspective on the mm. world so we're not just looking at logical rational things, mm. we're looking at emotional things and we're looking at things that uh, reflect perhaps a, a higher way of mm. acquiring knowledge which I like to call paradoxical um, non-linear yeah. living systems. Quantum consciousness. Mm. Uh, and so Cryon has, Cryon's been uh, Cryon is a, uh, for those of you who don't know what Cryon is, Cryon is a disembodied entity. So in other words, uh, you might use words like spirit, uh, interdimensional being, mm. those sorts of things that speaks through uh, an American fellow called Lee Carroll and has been doing so for 30 plus years now. And the messages that come through Lee Carroll have often included news of future scientific breakthroughs which have actually come true. And it's this um, basis of, of, okay, well, this actually seems to work, there's truth coming through, and uh, we ought to be paying attention to what this uh, cryon is saying, and that's that's why we're following cryon. So cryon has said recently that uh, we are on the verge of discovery of a device, and you might think of it as like a set of goggles or some sort of viewing machine, which will allow us to see our personal magnetic fields, mm. in other words, the natural magnetic fields that uh, surround our body, which can, cryon says, be up to eight metres wide. Mm. And the HeartMath Institute from the USA has been pushing into this area, looking at the uh, the heart, uh, the, the energy radiated from our hearts and how we can uh, detect that in some ways and um, the influence that one person's um, heart 
resonance has on another person mm. in their presence and those sorts of things. There's a, a whole body of very wonderful research. Uh, you can look that up on the internet, HeartMath Institute, if you're interested in that. Uh, but Cryon saying that with the use of some kind of super cooling, uh, that we are on the verge of developing some device that will allow us to see our own magnetic field uh, mm. and uh, through this device. Um, and he suggested that it was on the, the purple end of the spectrum. So obviously it's not visible because otherwise we'd be able to see it already. Um, so we're looking at some light here uh, on the electromagnetic spectrum, which is off the, the end of the uh, UV mm. side of the spectrum. Yes, and of course, it's, I guess what, a couple of things there. It's, you could say it's an extension of the old uh, aura of photography that uh, it's quite popular and that that ability to be able to see colours around a being. Some people, of course, can see that quite naturally. The other thing I thought of as you're speaking, though, more interestingly, is the whole uh, discussion around EMF, uh, 5G being the big thing right now. But there is a lot of people who are becoming aware of, uh, of sensitivity to electromagnetic frequencies in various ways. Um, lots of stuff we could say about that. But I'm, I'm thinking, well, isn't it interesting that uh, magnetism as a future science and the application of that in various ways is coming forward at the same time people are being being aware of that of uh, EMF frequencies and how they may affect uh, an individual. So there's that sort of um, complementary experience that's going on both in discovery and in uh, people's personal inner experience of uh, of these frequencies to some degree. Yeah, that's that's right. Mm. And Cryon has suggested that when we make this discovery and we have this device and we can see this field around people, uh, we're going to identify it as some sort of a life energy field mm. and the devices will also result in us seeing the same uh, magnetic fields around plants and also, wait for it, rocks. Oh, rocks. And basically everything, everything is going to have a magnetic field mm. and he said this is going to disrupt our understanding of spirituality uh, and lead to the development of a more sophisticated spirituality based on the, the understanding that everything has this underpinning of, uh, of consciousness mm. expressing itself as these fields. Um, and also the other thing he said, but basically he said that this is ha going to have a massively uh, disruptive uh, impact on the on humanity in a positive way, um, both disrupting um, our uh, spirituality or understanding of spirituality, but also uh, our um, capacity to read a person's health because any health yes. issues will show up in this field when they're viewed through this device. And of course, there's always been people who, to one degree or another, psychic, you could say, who've been able to see or perceive these things in one way or the other already, to some degree. There's always been those way shows, and um, many great healers uh, fall into that into that bracket, and we we know a few of those, including yourself, I might say. Who? You? My God! Yeah, you, you. You can't reveal all my secrets. Well, not all of them. Um, <laughs> no, not that one. <laughs> Glad I stopped you. <laughs> Uh, I, what I was going to say was um, you can see how magnetism in general has the, the capacity just through mm. you know, our improving our knowledge, our understanding and our visibility of magnetic fields to radically shift most things that we know. Uh, and I, I was about to say that Cryon said that this discovery of this viewer, this viewing machine, will have a similar kind of impact on humanity as the invention of the wheel did. So, I mean, that's a pretty extensive disruption in a, in a very very positive way Indeed. so yeah the next big thing perhaps magnetism fantastic
I'll take a break and we'll come back for more. Yeah, absolutely. You're on BFM. You are tuned to Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans through till 11 o'clock this morning. Hot and spicy. BFM. Radio with bait. You're tuned to Future Sense here on Bay FM and via podcast all over the world. Thanks for joining us in 2019 and stay with us in 2020 and spread the word, spread the word on the podcast. We're going to be doing some exciting stuff this coming year anyway, but we're not going to tell you what they are yet. All sorts of things are going to emerge, I hope. Thanks for your texts. Uh, just one other one for now. <clears throat> Hi, guys. <laughs> in capitals, everything is alive with energy and life. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. It is indeed, and uh, it, it goes down to atomic level, of course, and um, I subscribe to Nassim Haramain's view that every hole on, starting from the, the atom up, is or has the nature of a black hole. So, mm. in, in other words, the nucleus is essentially a portal mm. to other dimensions. And so exciting. Yeah, yeah. And so everything that has atoms has that portal through to mm. the, the sort of... Uh, quantum field of consciousness so another theme for 2020 uh, I think that we're going to see continuing is going back to the future to make sense of the present oh, sorry back to the future back to the past to make sense of the future which you might call back to the future which mm. apparently they made a movie about yeah they did it was um, good I enjoyed it yeah at the time <laughs> it was the 80s <laughs> totally totally and there's a big retro thing happening at the moment too, I know so you might want to go back and watch that but yeah so so um, I guess transforming our understanding of the past and we've been sold this uh, linear progression story mm. in our um, sort of mainstream uh, narratives and, and our formal education those sorts of things that things were old and unsophisticated and then they got better and better and better and here we are and and yet we find these uh, relics of uh, prehistory that are exhibiting technologies that we don't have now like you know things built with giant blocks and giant blocks cut with such precision that there are no mm. marks from tools uh, and, and in fact you know rocks massive rocks that are part of mountains that have been shaped yeah. into clearly artificial shapes yeah. uh, and yet we have no idea how it happened so um i think we're going to see this theme continue of uh, revelations of uh, things from our history old technologies um, that are going to ha- force us to sit down and just realize that this linear progression from old and simple to you know present and, uh, and complex just doesn't seem to fit and there's something missing from our understanding of history and of course our history mm. was truncated by most likely by some natural cataclysm which happened roughly about 12,000 years ago which a lot of people are saying is was the Younger Dryas event which was caused by a massive uh, comet breaking up and mm. impacting the earth and causing the famous floods uh, that uh, are written into our religious books mm. such as the, the flood Noah and before on. that too, because I think that, that myth goes back, of course, well before uh, Christian times, the myth of the Great Flood. Yeah. Uh, like many things in the Bible, frankly, it was borrowed from other places and adapted and used in the way that it's been used. Well, it's, you know, either that or it happened yeah. on a planetary scale. Yes. And, and everybody had a Noah, basically. Everybody had a Noah. Okay. <laughs> There's a song right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a, a couple of uh, interesting pieces I've come across this year just on this on this theme are a wonderful book by Freddie Silver, mm. S-I-L-V-A, 
uh, called The Missing Lands, where he's done a, a really, really solid inquiry into the megalithic buildings around the world. And uh, I tell you what, they are much more widespread than I had thought. I had no idea mm. that there were megalithic buildings in some of the places that Freddie has reported them, like uh, on some of the, not just Easter Island, but some of the, um, you know, more... Um, central South Pacific Islands and those sorts of things. Mm. The stories are woven into their local uh, myths and, mm. and traditions mm. uh, of these uh, people who, the shining ones, they're often called, who came and built these things and helped civilization recover from this massive uh, cataclysm. And I, I really recommend Freddie's book if you're interested in that kind of stuff. I think it's a, a groundbreaking book. And he's done some really interesting linguistic analysis where he's visited different cultures around the world, listened to their stories, and looked at the the root of uh, some of the key words in the stories, uh, and, and found these commonalities across different. Mm. You know, which is really suggesting that there was uh, a single uh, group of these people who were often called the shining ones or uh, the seven sages is a very common story or, or the watchers is another term star people uh, or, or star people mm. as well and maybe they were mm. um, and he's uh, strung it together in a very very solid fashion uh, Freddie's uh, website is invisibletemple.com if you want to go and grab a copy of that I really recommend that and another interesting source that I found this year was um, from Greg Braden and if you don't know who Greg Braden is he's uh, a scientist uh, qualified scientist who I studied um, geology and then a lot of the different uh, life sciences and uh, I believe worked in the aerospace industry for a while yeah. uh, and I had the pleasure of um, of remotely meeting Greg on a, a teleconference call uh, which we had going I think a couple of years ago and was organized by my futurist friend John Peterson from the Arlington Institute in the US and uh, there were I, I can't remember exactly, but I think there were sort of six or eight of us that would meet on this call on a regular basis and just talk about what was happening in the world from a futurist perspective and, again, you know, a way of helping us try and make sense of uh, our trajectory as a species and as a planet. And uh, Greg was also uh, on that call regularly, and uh, I have a you know really strong impression of him being just a lovely guy who's um, is quite humble and uh, quite dedicated to the work that he's doing. And he has a, a series which is being screened on Gaia.com at the moment called Missing Links. Uh, and uh, I recently watched series one, episode nine, which was called Genetic Clues of Human Origin, and I'd heard about. The, the science behind uh, the stuff he presented in that episode previously and, and largely through Greg uh, and basically he's looking at uh, a discrepancy in our, in the human genome and particularly gene number two which isn't like the others and uh, the, the chromosomes in each of the genes have end caps on them which are called telomeres oh, yes, telomeres. Yes. and we, we have mentioned this on the show before yeah, yeah. But, but in gene two uh, it's clearly been manipulated because apart from the, the end caps, the telomeres on the ends of the, the chromosomes, there's a couple in the middle which have clearly been joined together. And so, uh, and, and this is very big in mainstream science. There are papers, in fact, Greg said, there are whole conferences, scientific conferences that have been held uh, by people studying the genome just simply on this gene number two and trying to figure out why is it different from the others and uh, what is the story and, and the basic conclusion is that some uh, process that we're not familiar with has Spliced. happened to, to cut, splice uh, a couple of chromosomes uh, 
uh, and then join them together, uh, which is why the telomeres have ended up uh, in the middle. And also, not just that, but also that redundant aspects of each of the separate chromosomes were spliced off. And had that not happened, then we would have ended up with uh, with like a, a double functionality that we didn't need. So whatever process made this happen knew that and took out the redundant parts. Uh, and then when the splicing occurred, there had to be some kind of favorable, favorable conditions for that to then become you know a functioning part of our genome. Uh, and Greg stopped short of, of suggesting who or what process might have caused that to happen, but he's just really strongly making the point that, as far as we know right now, natural evolution doesn't do this. And maybe sometime in the future we'll discover you know, a process which explains it, but right now we can't explain it. And it kind of strongly points to uh, an active... Um, an active engagement with uh, our species uh, at some yeah, time uh, in the uh, distant past for a purpose. Something or someone has changed mm. our genome at some point. I think it's uh, great too what you're saying just quickly as you're speaking there because I'm thinking that all of these things also add to the mystery and it's, I guess, mystery for want of a better word, it's a good word, uh, is is another aspect of what we, what we need to be uh, encouraged to feel, to experience, to to watch for synchronicities and uh, serendipities and those moments of connection that are somehow a bit more than the normal experience of reality yeah. and this is part of our future i think that we're becoming uh, available to these experiences more and more absolutely and also a part of that same process is this uh, merger that's underway between science and spirituality and, it, and if you look at our all of our central uh, religions and and their the stories that come with them they're full of stories of outsiders coming yes. and interacting with us you know and, and we call them angels and gods and all these sorts of things but if you stop for a moment and think well hang on a minute maybe what if the scientific story and the spiritual story were both correct from a particular perspective and they're describing the same thing but they're just looking at it from from different angles and so you know we we look like we're starting to piece together a very very different version of history yes. that involves the presence of higher consciousness on the planet the presence of higher technologies on the planet mm. uh, at a time when our mainstream narratives currently say that shouldn't be mm the case they shouldn't have been here at but the time. it's uh, it's an indication i guess that we are becoming complex enough that our our, our minds literally uh, many of us are becoming available to a, a more complex experience of life uh, the universe and everything and as that's becoming available it's becoming more present uh, for our perception and that's interesting in, in itself that uh, as as we as we're allow ourselves to see something, to understand, to know something, then that something become, comes forward into our presence more in, in a way. That's right, and that's one of the, the positive, constructive things of us moving beyond the scientific industrial era uh, is that mainstream science was really in a box in terms of what it would consider and what it would not consider. And there, of course, anything that couldn't be measured on an instrument or seen under yeah. a microscope in a laboratory didn't exist and wasn't worthy of investigation. And, and we're starting to uh, move outside, outside that box now, which is opening up all these other possibilities yeah. for us. Yeah. Yes, and of course, the result of that process that Steve's just uh, explained there is, is uh, the tendency towards scientism, which is a, a word really that's only been fairly recently quoted or, or made up, I think and it is that point where science goes too far in one direction uh, it's been incredibly value valuable yes and will continue to be so in the future but it's not the only 
explanation for everything. Yeah, I think that, that resu- is a result of this shift in human values and the, particularly the, the drivers in the different value sets, right. as we mentioned earlier, which which uh, sort of compartmentalise things into mm-hmm. the old scientific method of critical thinking and what's emerging at the moment, which is this consensus-based way of assessing the validity of something, which uh, is actually collapsing the cause and effect hierarchies mm-hmm. and removing uh, individual critical thinking from the process. And that's something to watch for the year ahead also. Indeed. Um, that's about it for the show, it looks like, isn't it? It's, it's about it for 2019. Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah. Uh, I just want to, this little quote from Mark Twain talking about history, I love this. Uh, Mark Twain said, history never repeats itself, but it rhymes. And I like that. I like that too. I often use that, actually. That's, oh, do you? That's okay. a really nice piece. It I do, is. yeah. Not in front of you, though. But <laughs> I, I can now that you've discovered it. <laughs> Uh, it's good to see that there's still mystery and that you have to be to, at a certain, a certain level, certain order in order to receive and accept the uh, the great mysteries that come well, from always, those always higher preserve, up in the hierarchy. Always preserve the mystery. That's one of the central mm, tenets of Taoism. Very true. Indeed. Look, uh, we've got some really interesting things coming up in 2020, uh, and not the least of them is the return of our Texan elf. Yes, Mitch <laughs> Schultz, Schultz will be, be back. Uh, landing in the country on the 6th of January, yep. and Mitch is coming back to work with us mm. on the development of a Future Sense documentary series and you'll be hearing a lot more about that in the year ahead. Fantastic. That's it. Have a great uh, New Year's Eve. Take care. Be careful. And if you're in this region, uh, take care of the environment, take care of each other. And we will be with you next Monday, which will be 2020. Uh, Thanks for being with us. And uh, check out our podcast at futuresense.it or at your podcast platform that you already have uh, linked up to us. Yeah, thanks for being with us this year and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.